We've been talking about neighboring life and kind of exploring this whole idea of, of what it means to be a neighbor and what that looks like and what does that mean for us and how do we step into to this idea of neighboring and neighboring well. And, and Jared, I don't really want to talk to my neighbors is a big, big thing that's come, been coming back to me. I understand that. Um, and we keep on saying, you don't have to like your neighbor, but you do. It's a biblical command to love your neighbor. And for me, um, I've been really good at the other stuff in the Bible. I've concentrated a whole lot of time at the other stuff in the Bible. But what I've actually tried to avoid is probably the two, it is the two greatest commandments in the Bible. Everything hangs on these two things. Jesus says it. Paul reiterates it. Everything points to love God with everything that you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are really simple. Those are simple commands. They're incredibly complex to live out. And so the defense mechanism that Jared Hauser has is we'll just put that in a nice little box and we'll try to work on the other stuff that I can control and I can make a to-do list, right? And so maybe you're there with me, just maybe someone else feels that way. But as I've been reading this and, and stepping into it, like, wow, it all comes from loving God with everything that we have and loving people as ourselves. This is the main point. The rest of this stuff is, is extra. We've inverted the period, pyramid. We're like, if I get everything else right, if I get all the other sin stuff out of my life, then maybe I can love God well. And if I get all the other junk well out of my life, then maybe I can love my neighbor well. Look, okay, that's, that we invert. It all starts with that. It flows out of how we love God and how we love people. And so as I've been working through those kind of heart issues, those soul issues, I um, want to lead you on that journey as well. We find in Galatians Paul is kind of speaking into this same problem. He's, he's trying to speak life into this church who's had some uh, divisive stuff going on. If you can imagine, there was a church that gossiped about each other and other people in town. And there was a church that had problems. Not, we, I have no idea what they're talking about, right? Like, we, we've, we've never had any issues or, you know, church people never have any, any, any things uh, going on with them. But they, this church is kind of getting a bad reputation for kind of falling into some, some stupid stuff sometimes. And... Um, and so Paul is writing them like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Let's figure out who you're supposed to be. Who are you really? And so he comes back. He doesn't list all this other stuff. He comes back to the root. Are you loving God? Are you loving people? And so he's calling this church. It's kind of gotten a little wayward and saying, listen, listen, listen. It's not about the other stuff. It's about loving God and loving people. We get really good at being legalistic about, well, you don't do this, and you don't dress right, and you don't do this, and you don't, but, and what do you think about this? And well, your end times theology might be a little skew, and all, all this. Paul's like, no, stop it. I, Paul might have smacked somebody, but I don't know. I don't know the theological accuracy of that statement. Um, but he's saying, no, 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 no. Are you loving God? Are you loving people? Let's step into that. Join me in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians is a letter written by Paul to, the, uh, to a church. <clears throat> this is just kind of this issue coming up. And, um, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. 
So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. Basically, when you're living a life under the Spirit, you don't have to worry about all the legalistic stuff and the, the junk and all the, am I holding my teeth right and did I walk in the right spot? And oh, You don't have to live under that, that tension anymore. When you follow the desires of the sinful nature, the results are very clear. They are. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me stop there for just a second. So when he says, you won't inherit the kingdom of God, I automatically go, I better, and now I have my to-do list, and I'm very com- comfortable with to-do lists. Anybody else comfortable with to-do lists? Paul told me what to do. Don't do this. Don't go to these crazy parties. Don't drink this. Don't do this. Don't, now I have my list, and I'm good because I don't do any of those things. Look how good I am. I'm better than everybody else. Problem. I've got a to-do list that I'm operating out of. It's not a relationship. It's, it's not, a, not a coming in contact with God. It's not living out of this Holy Spirit-driven life. No, no, no. It's a, I'm better, th- I'm, I'm good, be- I'm safe because I check things off a list. Because if I just plant my rear end in this lazy boy and don't move and just, ah, close my eyes and shut them, then I'll be okay and I'll inherit the kingdom of God and everything's cool and everything's fine. Wrong. He prefaced this with, what's the greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. If I'm in my lazy boy, closing my eyes to the world and going, no one talk to me because I don't want to sin. I'm not loving my neighbor. It's got to be an attitude shift. This final verse here. But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. There's a reason why we don't preach on these things that often. It's because they can't be made in an easy three-point to-do list sermon. Like, honestly, that's why, because you can't quantify them so easy. How do I have gentleness in three easy steps? That's not easy, right? And so what what is going on here? It's got to be bigger than my to-do list mindset. So neighboring is not a list of to-dos. It's an attitude shift. It's not a list of to-dos. Some of you, when I start talking about neighboring life and how you're going to love your neighbor and how you're going to stay and how you're going to pray for them, you're like, you're already formulating the to-do list in your mind. And that's, we got to get away from that. It's an attitude shift. It's opening up the blinds, leaving the garage door open saying, okay, I am open for relationship. It's a, it's a shift in who are bearing in, in life, not a list of more things. Oh, their trash can's out. I can run over there and grab it real quick. Like, it's, you understand the, the difference in that. Not that taking someone's trash can is not in, in is a bad, taking someone's trash can is a bad idea. Taking someone's trash can and put it in, it's a good idea. <laughs> one was 17-year-old Jared, one is now. Uh, so, <laughs> instead of asking, what am I supposed to do? Let's ask the question, 
Who am I supposed to be? And the fruit of the Spirit answers that question. Who am I supposed to be? I'm supposed to be someone who is full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. This is who we start to become. We look, when we're neighboring and we're going to step into a neighboring life, we have to look for opportunities to interject these into our lives. And everything I'm going to talk about today with neighboring, if you're struggling in your marriage right now, you're struggling in your parenting right now, you can take out the word neighboring and interject parenting or uh, a spousal relations. I'm your, your, uh, your marriage, okay? You can, you can change. Marriage was the word that I was missing. Whatever. Um, you, you can interject it because the same things hold truth to our marriage, to our neighbors, and to, because at the, at the root of it, it's how do I love my kids better? How do I love my spouse better? How do I love my neighbors better? Now, who's my neighbor? Anybody breathing on this planet. That's your neighbor. That's basically how Jesus, whether you like him or you don't like him, it doesn't matter. They're still your neighbor, and you got to love them. That's how Jesus answers the question. So how am I supposed to be loving? How am I supposed to be living? How am I supposed to interject this joy into people's lives? That's a great question. We as a church have to, I don't know if we've ever had it. I think we did it at like first, second century. We did it well. I don't know if we have done it well since then. It's this idea of the church should be playing well with others. Right, we're supposed to learn it in kindergarten, but we forget it really easily. Right? We should play well with others. And I don't we don't have that kind of reputation, right? As Christians as a whole. I think our, our church can can get that kind of reputation. And that's what I, I want to lead us to, that we play well with others, that we have fun, that we enjoy each other, and that we enjoy people. But as, as, as we look at Christianity, if you, you spend five seconds on Twitter or watch the news in any way, shape, or form, the church is not known for playing well with others. This idea of play is foundational to also the idea of joy. What does play look like? It means just having fun, enjoying people, enjoying their stories, enjoying their moments, enjoying each other. So how do we play well with others. What does that look like? What does it mean? Uh, there's opportunities all around you. Like some of you already in your heads, like, Jerry, you're going to talk about play today? How I'm supposed to play with my neighbors? I'm not five. I get that. And so to go along with our little rhyming thing, so you stay with neighboring life, we're going to commit to stay. We're going to commit to pray. We're going to commit to play with our neighbors, and we're going to commit to say, which we'll talk about next week. Um, so they all rhyme. So in, in everyone's heads, they can work that way. But basically, it's bringing fun into the relationships that we have. How do we do that? Why is it important? Those are great questions. Let's spend some time answering that today. Uh, Kelly, I think playing and having fun with your neighbor can be a very, very, very surprising uh, thing. So Kelly, we talked about pray at Life Group last week and uh, last week on Sunday morning, and she was out for a run this week. She taught third graders uh, fractions in Spanish, and uh, she needed a run when she got home. <laughs> so she, she, she's like, ah, I'm going. I was like, okay. So she took the dog for a run around the around the uh, neighborhood, and she'd been thinking about one of our neighbors and uh, this whole idea. 
and someone who lives on the other side of the neighborhood from us. And she's running past. She just prayed, God, I hope they, they just moved into the neighborhood probably about six months ago. Lord, I hope they're, they're making relationships. I hope they're making uh, friends. Um, and just, they seem like neat, neat people. Amen. It, that's basically the end of their sentence prayer as she's, <laughs> you know, running around the, running around the block. So she's on the, uh, she's on the couch on Friday night. And she just starts laughing. I was like, what are you laughing at? She's like, I just got an email at my school email because uh, it, from, from our neighbor across the way. Who? Such and such family. How did she get your email? She knew I worked at, uh, at the school. Oh, okay. She wants to have a play date with Kendall or with her daughter, Brooke, and, and, and Kendall. What? Yeah. Funny thing is, I just prayed for them once yesterday. <laughs> Like these, just, uh, these opportunities set up, like it just came from praying. It just said, Hey Lord, let me be open to relationship. I hope they're doing well. And she's obedient in that as she's chasing the dog around the, the neighborhood. And all of a sudden this person reaches out very uniquely and says, Hey, can we have a play date? It wasn't something that, you know, the house didn't have to be clean because it wasn't, you know, everything, everything didn't have to be perfect because it's not going to be. Didn't have to fit into uh, Lucy's sleep schedule. It's okay. Hey, I got a baby, and it's going to be crazy. So you okay with that? Yeah, I want to hold the said baby. Um, you know, just letting life happen. It doesn't have to be this. I always think, like, if I'm going to play with my neighbors, I've got to have, like, you know, the grill's got to be going a certain way and the, all the yard games. and You know, it's got a block party at my house before I could invite anybody over. No, it's just, hey, you want to come over and talk? You want to stand in the front yard and throw a Frisbee? You want to? interjecting joy and life and fun into it. It's not as hard as we make it out to be. When we make it a to-do list, we make it very, very difficult. I excel at that. I want to have all the things lined up, and it's got to have a time. I would make a planning, a planning sheet of what's going to happen at this moment, and then five minutes later, it's going to happen. This. That's not how life works, and that's not how joy works. Just being open and an attitude shift of how do I interject life and love and joy and peace into people around me. And that goes for your kids, that goes for your marriage, and that goes for your neighbors as well. But the Holy Spirit produces a kind of fruit in our lives, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Neighboring is not about a to-do list. It's an attitude shift. We make it so serious. But really, we can just have fun. Um, I took a lot of joy out of ministry for myself because I wasn't about loving people. I was thinking, well, if I'm going to be obedient to God, I've got to get them to church and I got to get them to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and savior. The very first time I ever meet them. And so what I became instead of a pastor and someone who loved people, I started to become a salesperson. And maybe you've put that same pressure on yourself. And so you don't have those conversations because if they reject Jesus from me, I don't know how I'm going to have a relationship and they're going to think I'm weird and all this other stuff. What if I just prove to you that I love you and I care for you and I'm going to be with you because my God's going to love you and care for you and going to be with you. What if I change my attitude in that? And that's been a big, something I've been working through. Do I still present the gospel to people when the opportunity happens? Absolutely. That is incredibly important, but I don't want to be a salesman. 
I didn't get into this to, to, to sell, sell people on stuff. And people see that and they go, and you got the sleaze. If you're a salesman, I'm sorry. I'm not telling you sleazy. <laughs> but just the idea of, I've been a telemarketer. I had the wonderful job of being a telemarketer. I don't want my, my relationship with Jesus to be in the telemarketing realm, right? I want people to know how much I love them and, and through that, how much Jesus loves them. And that's the difference in how we, how we neighbor and we, we bring that. You may be putting a crazy amount of pressure on yourself because you're thinking, well, if I talk to those neighbors, then I got to have all the, the answers down. And I got to have all this stuff. I got to, whoa, 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 let's just have fun. Let's just, let's, just, let's just have a party. Let's just roast a hot dog, throw a s'more at somebody, you know, just hang out. It's okay. Eat some watermelon. It'll be all good. But the Holy Spirit produces a kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's about an attitude shift. Jesus was all about having uh, fun. You may not think that about Jesus. You may go, what? Jesus wasn't about fun. If you read the scriptures, Jesus is almost always at a party or on his way to a party or leaving a party. He is constantly at parties. Right? We had a t-shirt, and um, I had it made up for my youth group. My name's Jesus, and I like to party. Like, that, was, that was the t-shirt we had at a youth group function. Um, but Jesus loves to party, and that's like the antithesis of what we think. Right? We're like, oh, well, church. If I go and I introduce myself, first time I meet somebody on the street or my neighbor or whatever, and I had this happen to me this week, uh, talking to somebody, like, so what do you do? I'm not embarrassed of being a pastor. I just know what the reaction is going to be. They're like, oh, this guy, blah, blah, blah. it's goofy. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, my name is Jared. Uh, I'm, I'm a pastor. I lead the church at Shorewood Church of God on uh, Shorewood, right behind the firehouse. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, no, don't, 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 don't do that. It's okay. I've heard cuss words before. It's okay. I won't break. I've seen alcohol before, too. I won't, you know. <laughs> It's, it's okay. <laughs> and so you've got this, and, and, so, and, and anytime you talk about church or maybe you, you were, when you invited your friend to the women's uh, conference or you're thinking about inviting somebody to Easter or something here in a couple weeks, you go, oh, is it going to happen? No, no. Look, I love you and I care about you and my church will be fun and, and it's different and, and uh, I, just, I would love for you to come because it's, it's just, a, it's a fun moment where we talk about God and how he loves us and cares about us. And don't, don't get all weird on me. It's okay. Yeah, it's just, I'm getting into next week's message a lot today, so I'm sorry about that. You're going to hear a lot of this next week too. But, um, it's just who we've got to be, right? Got to be fun in that. We've got to bring joy into that. We don't have to be afraid to play because Jesus is not afraid to do that. He is not afraid to do that. And why is he always in constant party mode? Um, that may surprise you. They may not sit well with you, but it is true. And Jesus comes into these parties all the time because, one, that's the social sphere. And the Jewish calendar is filled with parties. Um, all year long, there's a party like every other week, it feels like. Um, there's four main ones, but there's a bunch of smaller ones. And honestly, like, uh, Catholicism does the same kind of thing. There's all kinds of saint feast days and whatnot. And if you want to observe a bunch of them, you get to observe a lot more parties. Um, but in 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 Judaism, there's the, the major parties, but then there's all these small ones. One of my best friends in the world, my roommate in college, uh, taught at a Jewish school in the city here in Chicago. And uh, he was always off work. 
So what are you not, why are you not work today? Oh, there's some Jewish holiday. I don't know what it was. Like, he's not Jewish. He had no idea. He just got hired to be a special needs ki- uh, uh, pastor, special needs teacher there. And he's like, I don't know. I don't have school today. That's all I care about. And like every day is off because in, in Judaism, you observe these big feast days. You go to these parties. Why? Parties, they connected people to their past, and they still do today. They connect people to their past because in each one of these parties, what you do is you get together, you have a great time, you depend on each other. So-and-so is going to bring this, so-and-so is going to bring this, so-and-so going to bring that. It's gonna, we're going to get together. We're going to have this great party. But there's always a moment in these parties, and especially these Jewish festivals, where you look back and you remember what God has done. And so they connect you to your past. They connect you to your culture. They connect you to your roots. And that builds something in community. That teaches something to the kids. If you've ever got, get to go through a Seder meal, I urge you to, to if you find a Seder meal, you can have a, maybe a Messianic Jew rabbi lead you on a, on a Seder meal. Take the chance to do that. Um, we may play with that a little bit on, on, on Good Friday this year here. Um, but this, this wonderful idea of the Seder, where they go through, and the youngest has a role to play, and the oldest has a role to play, and all this wonderful stuff of you connecting yourself to the past, to this, the story in this party. And also what it does is it connected people to their community. You depended on everybody else to bring something to the party. It was the, you weren't going to provide at all. You couldn't just go to Mariano's and buy a party in a bag. You, you can't do it. You couldn't just cater it out. You had to, like, look. I, I'm, the, I'm the person in the community with the chickens, so I got, I'll bring the chickens. I'll bring the, egg, the boiled eggs to the Seder meal. Like, and someone else is like, okay, I got this. And I, someone else says, I got this. And I got this. You depend on your community, and this is something that we can build in our own lives here and, and replicate it as we bring fun into these moments. See, the goal is to have fun. The goal is to step into the idea of joy. How do we do this practically? This is really hard for me to think of ideas to give you practical examples of how to have fun together. That is a problem, right? Because it's like all I was thinking about was the, all of my excuses in my own head about how well, that wouldn't work and this wouldn't work and that wouldn't work. Be creative. How do you have fun? Maybe you're an introvert. Maybe you're an extrovert. That just means you, the amount of people you invite over. That's all that is, right? <laughs> right? I've had some amazing introverts have been, I've had the deepest conversations and these life-changing moments with, with introverts in my life. And extroverts come and, and be the life of the party and just you sit and go, wow, how do they have that much energy? And, and that's so much fun. And they have had impactful moments in my life. If you're an introvert, you can still love people and bring joy into their life. If you're an extrovert, you can still love people and bring a joy to life. It's just, you just have a role to play. God created you in a certain way to fill a, a certain need. Maybe it is uh, inviting someone over for a play date. Maybe your kids are the same, same age. Maybe it's uh, sharing a meal together. Maybe it's uh, putting a game of bags in the front yard and just having fun. For me, uh, this last summer, uh, my best neighboring move was I built a bike ramp in the cul-de-sac. All the moms are like, oh, my gosh, and, like, wrapping their kids in bubble wrap. And the dads are like, yeah, can I borrow your bike? You know, <laughs> we're popping tubes and having a fantastic time. And the stories are like, yeah, I got this scar because I did this, and I got that because of this, and this bone was sticking out because I did, you know, and all these fun things happen. And the moms are still going, ah, and the dads are like, yeah. We bonded over the stupid bike ramp. Why? Because it was like, 
oh, we can share that moment. We can have fun. We can have joy. In the moment, they'll look on kid's face the first time they do it, right? Like Bowen's like, what do you want me to do? I want you to jump off of that thing. (laughs) This is a good idea? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. It's a great idea. You want me to do what? Yeah. And so finally, I'm like, give me your bike. I'll do it. And I'm like, don't break it. Don't break it. Don't break it. And so you get this the look of joy, like in a, in a digital age, there's still nothing beats a bike ramp, right? The feeling of flying. You feel like you're on ET, like, wow, wow, wow. You went six inches off the ground. <laughs> I got a smoker for Christmas. Um, I can't wait to use that. I fired it up this week to burn off all the chemicals. Hey, you know what? Um, if your wife buys you a really nice um, grill scrubber, um, with a plastic handle, you got to remove that from the smoker when you turn it on. <laughs> Public service announcement. I don't know who anything would do that. Although my handle now goes. <laughs> so, <laughs> had to crank that up a little bit longer. But I got a smoker for Christmas, and it's going to be like a calling card to the neighborhood, right? You put a pork button there, and <laughs> three hours, we're going to go to Jared's house. <laughs> like that's, that's what's happened. I can't wait to share that with my community. And thinking, just kind of resetting my attitude to from how do I just get through this day to how do I engage in fun with my neighborhood? And the same thing happens in your parenting, in your relationships. Because listen, look, if you're a parent and I get caught up into this, it's like, did you do your homework? Have you done this? Is your lunch packed? Why are your shoes on the wrong feet? And you just get to do, flashing through the to-do list. There's no fun in that. And you're not enjoying it, and they're not enjoying it. And you got to go, hold on. You know what? There's second grade homework that no one's even going to read. Doesn't matter if I am, can't stand my child at this moment. How do I have fun with you? How do you have fun with me? Let's engage. Let's, let's slow down a second. Yeah, you can stay up 10 more minutes, but let's do this together. And how do we, how do we do that? How, what does that look like in our, our marriage? Kelly and I are going through a season right now where we're like tag teaming it. It's like, go, on duty. All right, you know, go. All right, uh, you know, one of us is home at all times, except for last Thursday, I kind of missed the boat. But um, one, of us is, one of us is at home at all times. Thank you. I see neighboring work there because we had a, never mind, you don't need to know about this. Um, <laughs> you're just in that season, right? You're in that season of just go, 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 go. And it's so easy for like, where were you at? Why did you miss? The, well, no one told me you weren't bringing the kids home. Oh, like there's a lot of a lot of potential for finger pointing happened in that moment, right? But wait, how do we slow down? How do we have fun with each other? We're not just getting through our days, but we're enjoying each other in these moments. And it just takes a few minutes. I'm not saying you got well, Jared. There's responsibilities. Things have to be done. I, yes, but you know what? Enjoying your wife is way more important if the dishes got done. And that hairball, that tumbleweed from your dog, it's going to be there again tomorrow. So, you know, it's just going to happen. Enjoy your marriage. Come up with things to do that are fun, that you enjoy each other. Why? Because it connects you to your past. You remember who you are. You remember where you were. You remember um, where you've come from. You remember the memories. And it connects you to each other. Just having fun. It earns you some sort of, of, of a currency. I don't know what this is called. It's like friendship currency. You earn it 
in your marriage or with your kids or, or even in your neighbors, when you do fun things together, because you, you, you're, when you're doing something fun together, I don't know about you, but I'm always asking the, this question. Maybe this is the only childness coming out in me, but it's, can I trust you? Can I trust you? Now, I'm not going around and having Troy Galetti do a trust fall on me because he's big. That would be a bad choice. But I'm like, yo, neighbor, trust fall. No, we're not doing this, this game. But when I'm playing bags and, and, and he's on my team, I'm like, can I trust you to make this point? It's the question. And that memory of like, oh, you came through. Oh, my goodness. Or can I trust you to, you know, remember to do this? Or can I trust you with this? Yesterday, I had a huge can I trust you moment from, from two doors down. We have a maple tree in our front yard that have really low branches. And so it's the climbing tree for the whole cul-de-sac, which we have a rule at our house. And all the other parents have been like, yes, please. It's got to be a parent on duty if someone's in the tree. It's just kind of a thing because we don't want broken arms and legs um, or necks. That'd be bad. And so um, little, little Isabel is only like four years old and she's about this tall. Maybe five now, but she's here. And all the rest of the kids, it looks, we got all cut these huge birds in our tree, right? Um, so all the rest of them are in there. Sean's in there. Sophie's in there. Bowen's in there. Kendall's in there. They're all in the tree. And Isabel's like, mm, I want to be big too. Can I get up in the tree? I'm like, sure. And I pick her up and I put her in the tree and I'm, I'm standing there. And then I thought, because I'm a dad, moms would have already thought about this. I was like, wonder if that's okay with mom and dad. <laughs> Hey, Sophie, is your mom home? No, dad is. Okay. uh. (laughs) I said, Isabel, is this your first time in the tree? Yep. Oh. uh. So so Jeff sticks his head out. Hey, is Isabel in the tree? Yep. Thanks for watching him. Yes. (laughs) But it was this moment like, are you going to choose to trust me with your child? Right? Like, I, uh, hopefully only one falls at a time because I can't catch multiple. It's like, but, like, are you going to choose? And I'm, I'm there with her and, and taking her through it. Like, okay, put your – always have three points of contact. And da, 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 da. Okay, okay, okay. And it was just fantastic. But it was this moment of we're going to remember that, right? Jeff's going to remember that moment. I'm going to remember that moment. Isabel's going to remember that moment. It's good times and fun and, cu- and currency was spent. Currency that I may need to spend when my kids leave all their – jackets and bikes in his front yard next week because they leave it everywhere, right? Currency that I can spend. The same currency is used when, you know, Jeff has a hard day and he needs to talk. Maybe there's enough currency built up there that a relationship can, can spend some of that currency. The same thing happens in your kids' relationships is when you, that fun, those, those memories and that, how you're connected to each other needs to be spent when, dude, I got to ground you. What are you doing? You need to do this, this, and this. I got to spend some of that fun currency but you know I love you. You know I'm for you. You know there's joy in this. But we've got this. Same thing happens with, you know, Kelly and I spent a lot of fun currency in the last couple of weeks just because life's been kind of hectic. I spent a lot of it when I forgot the kids. Right? Dinner was made, though. Hey, I got that one. <laughs> so, but, but you just, you got to spend that. You have to choose that wisely and, and concentrate on that. Some of us are running so empty on fun currency and, and joy currency that we, we don't have anything else left to give. And so everything is an affront. Everything we get offended by, everything we get mad about, because there's not a reservoir to pull from. Does that make sense? This happens the same with our neighbors, and it happens the same with our, our marriage, and it happens the same with our kids. Some of us, when we think about neighboring, we're like, I don't know if I want to deal with that. Just start having fun, and that reservoir, that currency, that bank account will take care of itself. Does that make sense? And some of us think, oh, I don't want to have more relationships because I don't want to even start these accounts. I, here's, here's, 
don't keep an account book. Like, you know, oh, well, you know, Eric blew me off last week in here. And, uh, and well, you know, this Eric did this to me. And, then, you know, oh, Chris. And we have well, ledgers. But it's just it's this internal feeling of, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, we did that together. We did this. We did that. We did that. How's this look? Um, I think this can open a whole new avenue of joy in your life. I isolate so easily. I cocoon so easily. I love being alone. I have three children. Um, I, I do. I, I love it for, for time. I love reading a good book. I love being by myself. I, I love those things. But you know what? In those isolation, I get lonely. And I don't realize I'm lonely. I realize I'm cranky. And then I go, why am I so cranky? Oh, you haven't talked to another human in three, you know, three d- days or whatever. Oh, I haven't filled my joy tank for my, even myself. And so if you live in this, this thing of loneliness and this idea of, of uh, I'm just so lonely right now and I don't have this joy in my life, are you connecting with other people? Are you connecting people with your life group? Are you connecting with people at church? Are you connecting with your neighbors? Are you connecting with your spouse? Are you connecting with your kids? There's opportunities all around you. There's opportunities in that. Uh, are you connecting with God? Have you spent any time with him lately? Opportunities to, to grow this fruit of the spirit of joy and of love all around us. So we're always asking this, uh, this question, can I trust you? And how we spend that currency is incredibly important. And as a church, as we move to uh, grow into this community, to love this community, to be the best church for this community, We've got to earn this currency of, hey, that's a great place to be. I don't want to go. We have neighbors right here. We talk to them all the time. They have never set foot in our church, but they're always, hey, you know, you had some shady person out in your front yard yesterday. You had this. We've got currency with them um, just because we love them and we care for them. And the same thing needs to be happening uh, in our own neighborhoods. I want to urge you this morning to think about your life and think about where I am at. What, what is going on in my heart? Am I exhibiting this fruit of the spirit of joy? Am I having fun? And maybe this week, maybe to this afternoon, you just need to kind of sit down and think about how am I going to have fun spontaneously or planned with my spouse, with my kids, with my neighbor? And is it going to work out? No. Don't get mad. It just happens. Life happens. Plan another thing. Work on another thing. Look for opportunities. Change our attitudes so the blinds are open and you see the world around you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for who you are and thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, as I, um, as I press in with my wife, Let us have joy in our marriage. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room that is married right now, they would experience crazy amounts of joy in their marriage. That if there's hurts and there's hangups and there's there's unresolved differences, Lord, that that could be pushed aside for, for a moment just to breathe new life of joy and love and peace in their life. Lord, for those struggling with their children right now in this moment, that they would just be able to enjoy these wonderful creations. That they take a moment to to get out of their busy schedule just to say, I want to be with my son or my daughter. Lord, that you would put it on our hearts, maybe just to sentence prayers as we jog around the neighborhood, as we pull into our driveways, 
that we'd be open to the opportunities to have joy, to play together, and to love each other. Lord, I thank you for this awesome responsibility of loving you and loving people. It's a weighty responsibility. It's a responsibility that is exciting and scary all at the same time. So, Lord, will you give us the courage to step into it? Will you give us the freedom to step into it? Will we have the discernment to recognize the moments that we can turn into joy moments? We can turn into fun. We can turn into play. Lord, we love you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.